I recently received a side hustle style career conundrum from Rachel from Minneapolis on the Bossed Up Podcast Hotline. She wanted to know how to start her own independent podcast. Take a listen. Hi, Emily. This is Rachel calling from Minnesota. I'm calling with more of a side hustle conundrum than a full-on career conundrum. I've been considering over the last few months launching a podcast of my own, but have felt completely daunted just really by the whole prospect of it. Launching independently or pitching to a network. How do you come up with a business plan for a podcast if you do choose to pitch to a network or if you're going it on your own? So I would love, I guess, kind of a meta podcast about launching a podcast as a side hustle. Rachel, that is such a great question. Thank you so much for calling it in. While I haven't ever pitched a network for a podcast production, I have over the past year or so launched Bossed Up and grown it as an independent podcast production following my time on a network podcast. So in today's podcast, I'm going to share with you in this very meta podcast exactly how I've done what I've done and everything I've learned along the way that I wish someone had told me a year and a half ago. So first of all, know your goals going into this endeavor. Podcasting has been called the new blogging for how it's become a really efficient way to communicate regularly with people who share your interests. And while I love podcasting, keep in mind that only about 36% of the U.S. population has ever listened to a podcast. So it might not be the right channel for everyone, depending on what your goals are. The way I look at my podcast is that it complements the writing I do on the Bossed Up blog, the news I send out via our email list, and the community we've created on social media. However you approach podcasting, make sure you're clear about your particular goals so that you can actually enjoy the process. To be clear, it's not that easy to make money through podcasting, although I will share some best practices for doing so towards the end of today's podcast. So I encourage you to set some realistic, clear goals before venturing into this process. For me, I got lucky. I was recruited into the podcasting world when Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin stepped down from their post at the How Stuff Works Network. They had created and co-hosted Stuff Mom Never Told You, but after eight years, Kristen and Caroline left to start their own independent show on Ladylike, which they did in fact pitch to a network, a different network. Now, at the time, I was able to negotiate a great deal for myself with How Stuff Works, recommend my best possible collaborator, Bridget Todd, and had the pleasure of co-hosting Stuff Mom Never Told You with her for the nine months that we were there together. But when management changed at the network and our deal fell apart, I wasn't willing to work for just over a third of what they'd initially been paying us, so I left. I knew, however, that just because I was leaving Stuff Mom Never Told You didn't mean I wanted to leave the world of podcasting altogether. Over those nine months, I'd grown to really love the creative challenge and the conversations we were able to start with listeners, including many of you who followed me from there. But I didn't want to work with a network that treated its workers incredibly poorly, so I set out on the intimidating undertaking of launching my own independent production instead. So the next step to launching your own podcast is to establish your concept. Think about it. What could you talk about a lot? Now, obviously, you're going to want to have a focus to your show, but not too narrow a subject matter that you'll run out of things to say. Beyond that, think about whether you'd want a co-host or not. 
co-hosts can make a show wonderfully dynamic, but also requires a lot more back-end planning, communication, and logistics. Not to mention, you got to make sure you are on the same page as to what you want the show to be like, just like any business partnership. Would you want to produce a podcast series, like a limited release of five to 10 episodes all at once, or opt for a more ongoing weekly format? Many creators find the series path to be more freeing in that they're able to build in breaks and not get overwhelmed with deadlines. But after nine months of producing two full episodes a week with Stuff Mom Never Told You, I was confident in my abilities to opt for the weekly format instead. Establishing your concept is a fun and creative endeavor, but don't forget to consider production complexities. For instance, I love ending each of our Tuesday episodes of the Bossed Up podcast by featuring a listener-submitted boss move. It's an inspiring and uplifting way to showcase our community. But if I'm being honest with you, it's made our production process kind of challenging because we constantly have to persuade our listeners, like you, to call in and brag on themselves, which is not the easiest thing to do. In fact, there was one episode in which we didn't have any boss moves left to share. So when you're coming up with fun and creative concepts like this one, just keep in mind how much effort it might take to actually make it happen. Now, another reason I love featuring listener-submitted boss moves and career conundrums is because it's important to think about how your show will incorporate vocal diversity. Listening to one person's soliloquy can get, well, boring, even though I'm very aware that's what you're listening to right now. (laughs) So... When I set out to start the Bossed Up podcast without a co-host, I knew it was going to be important to feature interviews and listener voicemails to really add to the vocal diversity in each episode. And finally, when you're thinking about how you want to set up your episodes, my friend Greta Cohen, who's the founder of Transmitter Media, gave me this sage advice when I was just starting out. Think in segments. What's your first segment of each episode going to sound like? What about middle segments? How about recurring segments that you can bring in every now and then to surprise your listeners? What will your closing segment always entail? Listeners like recognizable patterns, so consider segments your building blocks for creating each episode. Now, once you've clarified your goals and established your concept, the third step to launching your own independent podcast is to think about equipment and software. Now, when it comes to equipment, there's a wide spectrum of audio devices that you can use, but really you don't need pro level stuff to produce a great sounding podcast. Don't get me wrong. Audio quality certainly matters, but it doesn't take a pricey mic to make it a reality. I know my leak teal of the my taught you podcast uses a simple handheld mic with a USB output that plugs right into her computer. In today's corresponding blog post at bossedup.org slash episode 111, I'll drop a link here to some great mic recommendations, which feature mics at all different price ranges for your consideration. A few more optional pieces of equipment that can take your microphone game to the next level include grabbing a mic stand and a boom arm, which can hold the microphone for you, and a pop filter, which is like a little screen that softens those harsher, fricative sounds in human speech. Once you've got the gear, you'll also need software to capture your audio as you record it. I like to use Zencaster, an online service that costs me about 20 bucks a month and can record my audio and my interview guests audio on two separate tracks, which is really important for editing purposes. 
You can also actually edit your files straight in the Zencaster platform, but I pay an audio engineer who uses more sophisticated Adobe software instead. Now, there are lots of options for how to capture your audio files beyond Zencaster. You can use Audacity or GarageBand, which cost nothing and come installed on many computers. You can also use Zoom or Skype as well. Whichever software you opt for, remember it always takes a little fiddling and experimentation to figure it out at first. And you can often Google your way to tutorials online that are specific to whichever platform you want to use. Personally, I appreciate the fact that by paying for Zencaster, that 20 bucks a month also includes customer service and troubleshooting, which has saved me a bunch of time when I've run into technical challenges. Now, the next step for producing your own independent podcast is editing your audio. Once you've captured your audio files, you've got to put all your segments together in one final MP3 or .wav file, which is ready to be listened to. But here's the thing. When I started podcasting on the How Stuff Works Network, they had an in-house audio engineer who would handle all of that editing for me. So when I transitioned into hosting my own independent show, I knew that my time and talents were probably best spent focusing on the content creation, the thing I do best, not learning how to edit audio files. This can be, after all, detail-oriented and time-consuming work. So instead of learning how to do it myself, I spent a good chunk of time upfront researching and interviewing a bunch of different audio editors to work with as an investment in the show. All that research and a recommendation by my podcast production assistant, Kirby, led me to Josh at Podcast Guy Media, who's been an absolute delight to work with. If it's at all possible for you to outsource your editing, I can't recommend Josh enough. In fact, when we put this episode together, Josh kindly offered a discount to any of you who reach out to him via podcastguymedia.com slash bossed up. He's offering you 25% off the first month of editing, or if you just have an hour or so of editing to do, he'll offer you 25% off that first hour too. Now that said, even though I pay Josh to edit my files for us, I also know plenty of podcasters who do it themselves, including Kathleen Hart of The Kathleen Hart Show, who does her own editing every single week. It's definitely a skill you can learn, and I recommend some more in-depth tutorials that are out there from Pat Flynn in particular at podcastingtutorial.com if you want to learn more. Now, once you've edited your final podcast file and you're happy with how it all came together, you need a hosting service to publish your show, the final step in producing your own podcast. Personally, I use Simplecast, a hosting platform that costs me $12 a month to upload the raw audio file in a .wav or .mp3 format, and then add in metadata. Metadata is the behind-the-scenes information that's associated with each episode, including the title, any related tags or search terms, and both a one-line description and a more detailed description with show notes. By adding all this metadata to the hosting platform, Simplecast then communicates all that information via an RSS feed to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and all the other places where you get your podcasts. This ensures that wherever my podcast shows up, the title will be the same. The teaser one-line description will be the same. The show notes and more detailed description will be the same. And the tags that are associated with the show saying that it's about hashtag career advice or hashtag feminism will all show up wherever they need to be, depending on the platform. 
Now, I also like Simplecast because it allows me to embed a little podcast player widget into every Bossed Up blog post that features a podcast, like this one that lives at bossedup.org slash episode 111. That way I can share this link to my blog on social media when I tweet out an episode or when I post an episode on LinkedIn to encourage people to visit my website where they can listen to the show instead of linking directly to iTunes or any single podcast player, which might not work for everyone. Now, before I wrap up on this much longer than usual boss tip episode, let's talk about podcast monetization. Once you can prove that your podcast reaches a good deal of people, typically about 2,500 downloads or listens per episode as the minimum I've seen, which are numbers, by the way, you can measure via your hosting platform like Simplecast, then advertisers might be interested in partnering with you, depending on whether or not they're interested in the audience that you've really focused on. Now, there are three ways that I've seen monetization done well. One, you can sell ads yourself. While this isn't really my specialty, it's something that I do offer, and I've gotten a little bit of interest this way, but not that much if I'm being honest with you. I just set my flat rates for my ads and make sure the advertiser is selling something I truly love and think that you'd love too. And then my assistant Kirby and I write up a script to show the advertiser what I plan to say for their pre-approval before I record. Sometimes I actually seek out advertisers based on the episodes that I put together. For instance, last week's boss tip all about negotiating away everyday fees and charges was something that was truly inspired by my financial advisor, Chris. So when I showed Chris the blog post that went along with that episode and said, hey, Chris, I'm producing this episode. Would you like to sponsor it? It was an easy yes for her because it was in total alignment with the entirety of that post. So she actually paid for that ad that I made very clear up front was a pre-roll ad saying, you know, this episode is sponsored by Chris Caruso, financial advisor, in retrospect, after I'd already produced the show. So sometimes I also just see what I'm already creating and think to myself, who should I approach for sponsorship on this? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) But it always takes effort. So keep in mind the energy that it takes to do that. The second way I've seen monetization done well is through working with an advertising agency. Now, these are third-party businesses that work closely with bigger brands and bigger companies and then offer up advertising for them on a variety of different podcasts. They typically take a percentage of your ad revenue, around 30% is common, and then send you advertisers on the regular. I recently started working with True Native Media in this capacity and really appreciate how they manage the process with advertisers for me. It's a great way for me to get bigger advertisers that I couldn't probably approach and land if I just knocked on their door alone (laughs) or sent an email to their info at account. But the third option that you already alluded to in your question, Rachel, is that you can also pitch your show to a network. In that way, the network would actually pay you to do the show. Just like How Stuff Works paid me to produce and co-host Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now, this is probably the hardest path 
forward because it entails convincing a major media network that your show should be one of their very limited family of shows via a proposal process. And all the networks have different proposal processes, many of which are published on their websites or you can find out more about by requesting information or emailing them. But it's not a process that I'm familiar with at all. (laughs) To be honest, this is my least favorite slash least recommended path forward because the podcast network landscape is extremely volatile and a little unpredictable. However, If you're fortunate enough to get past all that and to have a network offering you a deal, which typically means you're a hit show already, you can make some bigger bucks potentially by going this route because networks take a more active role in helping all of their shows grow their audience, especially through cross-promotion on other network shows. And they just take a really hands-on role in managing advertisers for you and the whole production process for you. That being said, you'll get different deals from different networks. And some networks are way less friendly to their creators and pay them less or value them less than other networks. So they're not all treating people the same. And right now there's just a ton of like mergers and acquisitions and corporate turnover happening that can really change the entire vibe of that network or that company. But whichever route you pursue, know that you should always retain the right to not work with any particular advertiser that you don't like. I've turned down offers from ModCloth ever since they were bought out by Walmart, a company I have major ethical concerns about. I've passed on advertisers whose products are confusing or just don't seem all that valuable to me. So I wouldn't want to recommend to you either. And I've passed on offers to peddle skinny tea and other products that I find overtly harmful and just contrary to my personal values. So make sure however you pursue monetization, you keep those principles in mind. Now, I hope this longer than usual podcast has given you some helpful first steps to take when pursuing your own podcast, but for even more support, there are a few resources I absolutely want to refer you to. I recently stumbled upon this awesome book called So You Want to Start a Podcast, which is available on Amazon and written by Kristen Meinzer, one of the women behind the awesome podcast Buy the Book. I also recommend attending the annual Work It Women's Podcasting Festival hosted by WNYC and tuning into their podcast of the same name, which includes live recordings of all the main stage presentations from the festival each year. So if you can't make it live, you can always tune into the podcast after the fact. And you might even stumble upon my talk that I did for them a few years ago when I delivered a main stage presentation that goes into greater detail about how exactly to make money through podcasting. Now, my last recommendation for you is to subscribe to Hot Pod, the best podcast industry newsletter out there written by Nick Kwa, with whom I happen to share a book editor, my editor at Hachette, Colleen, who you actually heard on the Bossed Up podcast all about how I got my book deal. She's currently editing Nick's forthcoming book all about the podcast industry. His newsletter is great for keeping up with all the mergers and acquisitions and big business happenings in the still pubescent podcasting media industry. And you can sign up for his newsletter at hotpodnews.com. And now I want to hear from you. What other questions do you have about podcasting, about starting your own show? 
how can I continue to support you in your creative endeavors? And how can I continue to use my podcasting platform to support your career growth overall? Reach out to me on social media to let me know at Emily Aries or at bossedup.org. Or you can always reach me in the comments section at today's corresponding blog post, which I highly recommend you check out because there are a ton of hyperlinks that connect you with related resources I mentioned in today's podcast at bossedup.org slash episode 111.